It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Thank you for joining us for another Thursdays with Trey, which, of course, is the day that we had the chance to uh, entertain your questions, which we very much look forward to. And uh, with that, we will bring in Mary Langston. How are you? I'm doing great, Trey. How are you? I have no complaints. Thank you for asking. We had a good football weekend. How about the Gamecocks? Uh, yeah, South Carolina won. That was great. Um mm-hmm. Game was a little bit closer than I had hoped, but you know, uh, mm. you know, Shane Beamer, if he were on with us, he would say, you know, we won by three touchdowns against a pretty good football team, and you know, our offensive line didn't play that well. So mm. the reason I think he would say that is because that's pretty much verbatim what he did say after the game, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's right. Look, I mean, look, it was first game. I mean. Georgia looked amazing. Alabama looked amazing. Um, Florida looked pretty good. You know, you can be like a pretty good football team and still finish in the middle of the pack or lower than the middle of the pack in the in the SEC. So I'm just going to have to accept that. But college football is back. Uh, so mm-hmm. all is right with the world. And, um, and you know, and I'll be happy until um, – whatever the Monday night of the national championship game is in January. And then I'll go back into the slew of despond. Mm, Well, we'll focus on the good, but I'm glad it was a great weekend, Trey. We have a lot of really good questions today. Are you ready to get started? I think so. I hope so. Okay. Wonderful. Our first question is from Clinton in Kentucky. He writes, I'm a sophomore in high school and I'm enjoying your book. Doesn't hurt to ask. I can't put it down. So I write to you with two questions. Is Washington fixable? And what is a quality of leadership I should strive for in my daily life? Well, Clinton, uh, thank you for reading my book. It was not that hard for me to put down. So I, I don't, you just got to put it down. <laughs> you you got to put it down and go watch college football or go get ready for, for a high school class. But thank you for reading it. It depends on whether there is ever a consensus on what the role of government is. I mean, if you want to know, is Washington fixable? It, it depends on how we view the role of government to me. And I know that sounds like a dodge, but it's not. That's the seminal question to me, your view of government and what you expect from it. If you don't expect that much, uh, then is D.C. fixable? Um, yes. If you expect a lot, if you look to government to solve whatever is ailing our country or culture at that time, the answer uh, is no. What I did notice when I was there was that the district views itself as the epicenter, the nerve center of the country, whereas those of us who are not in D.C. rarely think about it. So there is a disconnect. 
between political life and real life. So, which is why I'm actually happy when members of Congress get to come home or stay in their districts. The media, of course, tells us that members are on vacation when they're not in D.C. It, you know, I mean, part of what's fixable would have to include the media. They're not on vacation. I mean, that's just simply not true. I understand that it is really you know, popular and, you know, and probably a good applause line to say that. It just happens to not be true. Members of Congress actually work more in their districts than they do when they're in D.C. And the only people that vote for them, their only bosses, their only constituents are in their districts. They're not in D.C. Not a single person who voted for me lived in the in Washington, D.C. So is it fixable? Um, I think politics reflects it reflects what's going on in other parts of our country and culture. So is Washington fixable? Are we fixable? That would probably be my follow-up question, Clinton. The, the other question you ask, I think if I had to do it all over again, uh, I, I strive for wisdom and humility. Those are the two qualities of leadership that I think will serve you the best over the course of your life. Uh, strive to learn as much as you can on all sides of an issue and then have the humility to listen to other viewpoints. So I would go, you know, if I had to pick two, I would pick wisdom, which, you know, if you, uh, if you're a, a Bible reader, that's one of the few things that uh, the Bible says you'll get if you ask for it. I uh, didn't say that about money. They don't say that about being cute, but they do say it about wisdom. If you ask for it, you'll get it. And humility, you can't go wrong with those two. Well, thank you. And thank you, Clinton. You asked the right person. Our next question is from George in Texas. He writes, address the decision by the USC's women's basketball coach to cancel the home and home series with BYU following the alleged incident at the Duke BYU volleyball game. Well, for folks that don't know uh, what, what George is, is talking about, um, uh, BYU was playing Duke in, uh, in, in women's volleyball. And there was a comment rated, uh, rooted in racial animus that was uh, leveled against a Duke volleyball player during a match. Um, so I don't even know where to start. I, I just, I, I cannot understand. I, I, I do like as any good prosecutor, you try to understand the other side. I mean, you got to beat the other side. So you got to understand the other side. I, I cannot understand using racially charged language ever. I, I just, I, I, I've never understood it. I'd hate the words associated with racial or gender or religious bigotry. I just, I, Look, I, I would be a very, very lousy prosecutor, probably, in those types of cases, because I just, I mean, I, I understand why people kill other people. It's wrong. It's immoral. It's illegal. But if you ask me, do I understand? Yeah, I understand. I, I don't understand this. So on the other hand, my guess is that 99%, 99 plus percent of the BYU fan base would be kind and decent people who not only would never use a word rooted in racial animus, they would discipline anyone around them who did I, that. Look, I could be wrong about that. Um, 
the BYU graduates I know and a couple of them served in Congress are, are just some of the more decent, moral people I've ever been around. So I don't know everything that Coach Staley considered. I, I don't know whether she considered a neutral venue. I, I don't know. There have been, you know, issues that uh, uh, Coach Staley has had to confront um, and her players have had to confront um, uh, in the past. Uh, I won't call any names, but there are some other schools in the Southeastern Conference where I think our women's basketball team um, has been subject to things that if I were their coach, I, I would not want them subject to. I would not allow them to be subject to it. So I don't know everything that Coach Staley knows. So I can't, you know, definitively comment on it. I do hate that the folks in Utah will not get to see Aaliyah Boston or Zaya Cook or the other players in person. They're an awesome team, and uh, they seem to be a team full of really good people on and off the court. I just continue to hate when the actions of, of a few people uh, rooted in any kind of animus, in this uh, instance, uh, the assertion is racial animus. I just hate when the actions of a few people cost other people a chance to see some fantastic athletes, cost BYU players a chance to come to South Carolina because I was a flipping and it was going to be a home and home. They were going to Salt Lake City. I think that's where BYU is, Provo or Salt Lake City, one or the other. And, and BYU was going to come here. And now all of that is gone because some idiot said something that is I, – I just – like I said, I don't want to be a dead horse, although it doesn't hurt the horse. I do not understand. I've been known to help the referees a time or two back when I used to go to in-person sporting events. I, I thought they weren't able to see some things. I've been known – to yell at referees, the notion that you would utter something rooted in any kind of ism at a at a sporting event against against a college student athlete is inexcusable. So I I, I don't know everything Coach Staley knows. I hate it for good people who are deprived of opportunities because of the actions of a few. Thank you, Trey. That was well said. And thank you, George, for your question. Our next question is from Laura in South Dakota. She writes, what is your opinion of the good old boys environment and the judicial system for the privilege that appears to be in the case in South Carolina? Um, my opinion is it's terrible. It's terrible mm -hmm. for the victims. It's terrible for uh, defendants who are not well connected or don't have the, quote, right lawyers. It's terrible for those of us who dream of a court system that is impervious to the status of those in court. I don't know a lot beyond what I have read. I mean, obviously, the Murdoch family, um, one of the Murdochs was the solicitor back when I was the solicitor. So I would see him, what, twice a year. But that part of South Carolina is about as far away from where I live as you can be and still be in the same state. Uh, the other Cases made the national news was a allegation of sexual what an allegation he pled guilty to sexual assault and the sentence um, is one uh, that I found uh, impossible to comprehend. So, having said that, I haven't talked to the prosecutors or the cops or the victims in those cases. 
But I will say this, Laura, it's it's a dark and lamentable period for those of us who dream of a justice system that treats people the same and treats people solely based on the law and the facts. And I do understand prosecutors taking iffy cases to court and losing. I understand that. Um, Some of the best, actually the best prosecutor I've ever seen in my life, God rest his soul, uh, lost quite a few cases. I don't mind if prosecutors do their best and lose. I don't like it when they give cases away. And when they give cases away, um, particularly in violent crime cases, based on the status or the defense attorney on the other side of the courtroom, it is terrible for people who value our just our, our justice system, whether it's, you know, I mean, I hear the good old boys. I mean, I, I was in, you know, for 10 years, I was in that, you know, state justice system for six years. I was in the federal justice system. I know what the phrase means. I didn't see it nearly as much as I heard the phrase, but when I do see it, um, it is, it, it just sets us back decades that the identity of your lawyer, who you have the money to go hire should result in a more favorable outcome than some indigent defendant who doesn't have the resources to go hire a quote name lawyer is just, it's terrible. So I don't know whatever word to use other than terrible. Well, thank you. And thank you, Laura, for your question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Our last question is from Laurie in South Carolina. She writes, will you discuss the rhetoric used in Biden's address on September 1st in terms of fairness to Republican voters? Uh, well, Laurie, um, it wasn't persuasive. Um, it wasn't and isn't helpful. Um, that's what I think. I mean, that's what I thought when, you know, uh, former President Trump used uh, language that I found uh, completely unpersuasive. That's what I think when President Biden does it. So my reaction is not is no different. It's pure ratification. It's pure validation, which really is the easiest thing in the world to do. It requires no ingenuity whatsoever to just ratify and validate what people already believe. So, you know, maybe that's where we are. You know, maybe that's why we are where we are as a country right now. That we we only talk to people that agree with us. We don't want to talk to people who disagree with us. Insulting people, you know, I would be hard pressed to think of a less persuasive thing to do than insult people. It, there's just nothing persuasive about it at all, period. I mean, tough talk can work sometimes. I mean, tough love is what they used to call it. I'm not sure how much love is involved, but tough talk can work sometimes. Reason, logic, facts, but insults do not work. So, I mean, I was struck by several parts of the speech. I mean, the background scared the daylights out of me. I thought I was watching that show Hellboy. Um, it, it, I mean, it just, I'm sitting there. I mean, I'm not sure who picked the background, but I would probably reassign that person to another part of the White House. But in terms of the substance of the speech, I think what struck me the most, what I underlined the most was I was taking notes while I was listening to it is the president said there are reasonable Republicans. Okay, I mean, if he'd stop there, 
That's fine. And then he went on to tell us who those reasonable Republicans are, and those who work with him or agree with him. And I'm sitting there thinking, really, that's your definition of reasonable, that I have to agree with you or else I am per se unreasonable. And then I immediately thought, well, there are Republicans who define, you know, good Democrats as pretty much only like Joe Manchin, because Joe Manchin from time to time sides with the Republicans. So this whole speech was kind of billed as a, you know, his threat to democracy speech. I do think the storming of the Capitol threats to Mike Pence refusing to acknowledge that one can lose an election are all forms of threats uh, to democracy. By the same token, uh, real leaders cite all the threats to democracy. And I guess I'm not a good Republican because I rarely, if ever, agree with Joe Biden. But it would have been it would have been really nice if he wants to be like a unifier, which I, I never bought that during his inaugural address, but the media did. But if that's what he if I'm wrong and that's what he really wants to be, I mean, Progressive prosecutors are a threat to democracy. People who summarily override the will of legislative bodies. I mean, the legislature says this is a crime and a progressive prosecutor says, no, it's not. That is anti-democratic. Taking executive action when you know what you're doing is unlawful is anti-democratic. Using these arcane Senate procedures that nobody can even understand or pronounce to muscle through some unrelated legislation in a bill is anti-democratic. So threats to democracy abound. Real leaders call out all the threats and not just the ones on the other side. So oh, his rhetoric was what he intended. He intended to you know, fire up his base. It persuaded absolutely no one in either tone or content. And that's just a lamentable, you know, we're going through a lamentable stage in American politics. There is no effort whatsoever to convince the other side to give you a chance, no effort at persuasion at all. It's all, you know, validation, ratification, find people who already agree with you and kind of regurgitate back to them what they already believe. And it's tedious and it's boring and it's easy and it doesn't require any leadership at all. Well, thank you so much, Trey, for answering those questions. And thank you to our listeners for your questions. Well, I'd love to hear, hear from people um, that don't have South in their um, in the name of their state. We had South <laughs> Dakota. We had we did. South Carolina. We had Kentucky. I didn't do well in geography, but I, I think there's only one Kentucky, right? There's, it's not like South and North Kentucky. It's just one. That's right. We had Texas as well. Which views itself as a country unto itself. So mm -hmm. you uh, would know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think it would be like in the top 10 largest countries in the world by maybe by economy, if it were its own country. Mm. Um, it's a massive, massive state. Mm -hmm. They told me one time I could be in Texas and closer to my home in South Carolina than I am to another part of Texas. <laughs> That is a big state. And it's true. You, you could geographically, I think, I think it's true. I think mm -hmm. I got out a ruler and tried to see if it was true or not. I don't think <laughs> I would have put a lot more effort into it other than that. But I think I got out a ruler and a map. If you're in, if you're in East Texas, I could be closer to my home in South Carolina than I could be El Paso. Wow. So, it's huge. 
Uh, it is huge. Uh, but we are not. We're in a tiny little state. We try to punch mm-hmm. above our weight from time to time. Um, but keep your questions coming. They're very thought provoking. Mm-hmm. I wish I had better answers, particularly, you know, I'm a sports nut and I do like Don Staley and I pull for I pull for South Carolina. But mainly mm-hmm. I just pull for people to get to see good games and good competition. And I, I just I mean, look, I don't go to live sporting events anymore unless Tim Scott makes me go to one, which <laughs> uh, I, it, I'm not even going to do that for him anymore. I just, I don't know if it's alcohol. I, I don't, I don't know if it's the anonymity of being in a crowd, but the notion that you would say anything to a college athlete who's out there doing her best and participating and she's obviously good or she wouldn't be playing for Duke. I just, like I said, I try to make an effort to understand even where defendants were coming from because I wanted to convict them. I cannot understand this at all. Mm-hmm. So, me either. All righty. Well, on that unhappy note, I hope everybody mm-hmm. has a great week anyway. NFL football mm-hmm. is starting uh, Thursday night. And then Dallas, I think, uh, graces us with all of its pre snap penalties on. Sunday or Monday night, I'll have it narrowed down before the game comes on. You can rest assured. And I'll be watching both Sunday and Monday night. But one of those two nights, Dallas plays. So hopefully they win and all is well with the world. We're going to hope for the best. Let's do that. And I hope you have a good week. Y'all too. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Trey Gowdy Podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.